Welcome to the Audible Ecstasy Podcast. Each week we sit around and discuss the music from our past. Sometimes we agree. I call it iconic. It's a 10. That riff is un- it's incredible. Clearly a 10. This is one of the most iconic songs of the 80s. Um, iconic from start to finish. And sometimes we disagree. The song sounds like something you might hear at your aunt's funeral. The absolute worst lyrics ever. With the juvenile flush on that one? <laughs> I'm not dealing with that. I'm not dealing with that crap. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. All right, guys, we are back with another Audible Ecstasy podcast against my better judgment. You guys, this week we're going to do a little Brian Adams. You boys ready to do this? Yes, I am, Anthony. Let's hear your, your tagline. Okay. Uh, I, I really like this one, so I'm hoping it really works for you guys. By the way, this should write itself, If if, but let's hear what you've got. Let's, let's see what I got. This. Me and some guys from school had a podcast, and we, we've tried real hard. Jimmy leads, and Chris is our anchor. I didn't think we'd ever get far. But when I look back now, this podcast has lasted forever. And if I had the choice, yeah, I'd always want to be here. These are the best days of my life. Dude, <laughs> that is actually man. like an emotional one. That's yeah, pretty awesome. You wordsmith that one well, man. Good Jesus, job. man. Holy smokes. All right, you know what? I'm going to change my attitude about this whole, <laughs> this whole episode <laughs> yeah. after all. I did that last uh-huh, week no. when I was sick, yeah, and I was like, man, I wanted to do that this week. Damn it. <laughs> no, that's a good one. Jeez, that's one of the best ones I've ever one, done. So, Excellent tagline, man. That was, yeah, fantastic. Got to soften smoke. Jimmy up a little bit, you know. Soften me up. That's right. <laughs> you best soften me up. All right, kiddos. Well, I say we get this thing started. First song off the album Reckless. It's called One Night Love Affair. Hit it, Chris. So the album Reckless, released back in 1984, starts off with their fifth single from this record, looks like. And it starts off with a bang. I mean, it's a great song from the get-go. It's easy to get into. 
steal this from Chris. This one does not pass the crank test, but it is a great opening track, at least in my opinion. Test. It absolutely yeah, passes the crank it test. It does not You're pass wrong. the crank test. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, at least in my vehicle, it won't pass a crank test. Uh, you know, I, I treasure that moment cranking music. This ain't one of them. All right. I gave it a uh, seven because I think it's a great song. Chris, what did you think about One Night Love Affair? It's funny you said that because in my notes, one of my actual notes is this one absolutely roll down the windows, crank. (laughs) This one passes the crank test. Uh, I think it's a great way to open an album. And this is, this album is full of hits. This was one of them. But I mean, the chorus is just so smooth and catchy on this song. It really is. It's just such an easy thing to sing along to. You can hear that chorus one time and you know it, man. Uh, and, And by the way, I, I got a feeling he wrote this for like the groupies out there because this is like the perfect song to like <laughs> just point at somebody and sing this song to and like all right throw them backstage pass and back you know I mean guaranteed man I mean just listen if to the lyrics was, on this thing he may not have been like that you never know though you don't think oh no I don't know man I think early in his life he probably was I'm Maybe sure early. now he's not but I don't yeah know. I mean I'm not sure if he was married when when this was going I don't know I don't know his personal history or anything but. Uh, He's missing a golden opportunity if he didn't use this song for those purposes. I'll just say that. Uh, I think it's a really good song. Actually, Jimmy, I know I've heard you refer to this stuff as pop rock. It is pop And it rock. probably is to some degree. But it is a guilty pleasure of mine. This out, this this Brian Adams in general, I've always enjoyed. I think he's got a great voice. Um, I'm giving this one a nine and a half right out the, right out of the gate. I think it's a wow. great and it was a huge hit. And it's one of my favorite songs on this album, actually. I mean, some of the hits that come out aren't quite as high. dude i love this song i'm, I'm not giving out i'm not swinging. going 10 with this it's not a 10 but those living listening alone, it's again guilty pleasure music we're going here, I think, so. all right yeah whatever go ahead <laughs> no no it's uh, it, dude like i said it's all in how you hear it and i i know you guys are gonna be coming out with like freaking home runs it's it, not a preference of mine all right anthony talk to us uh what do you, you know, think it about is a- the one night love affair it's uh it's a solid way to leave the album man it's got a nice kick to it a bit of bass sprinkled about, you know, I always like that. I think Brian sounds great on vocals. Band sounds fantastic. Uh, no complaints, man. I gave this an eight. I think it's an excellent, excellent tune. So, uh, and a heck of a way to lead now, man. So, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So reality check has come through. That's actually good. All right. <laughs> Anthony, I'll be honest with you. I was a little worried. Uh, I was thinking, God, this is going to be at least two to three points higher than what I ever did on. I, on I guess I may want to be in the, the condiment tonight. You must be because Chris will be either. the steak and Jimmy will be the cheese. And I, I don't think so. I've, I'm, I'm, <laughs> this this one actually is just kind of one of my favorite songs on the album. I know it's early on, what have you, but uh, I've always liked it. I do. It's all. He it's can, it's like I said. It's a great song. It is it's a great, great album. Joking, you know, you know can, all joking aside, I'm going to be throwing out some stupid zingers tonight. But this is this is a great song. <laughs> it really is, and that's why I gave it the seven. <laughs> all right, boys, let's roll us into track two. It's called "She's Only Happy When She's Dancing."
Oh my. Oh my. <laughs> she's only happy when she's dancing. Jimmy's dump of the week. Gracious <laughs> <laughs> guy. So Jimmy breaks out his soundboard now. Oh, that's good. You got the the. Uh, is that the is that a Dumb and Dumber like clip? <laughs> good lord, man! In the gutter. Well, I did tell Jimmy. I, I was like, I'm not picking a flush. You go ahead and pick it this week. So here we go. Of all the times I've complained about the flush, this is the one time you don't have a flush. That's just crazy to me. It's hilarious because he knew I was going to get one, and that is well, my flush. Well, I knew honestly, Jimmy was much flush. more inclined to flush this album than me, so I was like, you go ahead and pick the flush. I, I'm honestly <laughs> going to be curious to see how you guys rate this one. I think this one's the weakest standing on this record, hence my flush. Um, this one starts off a little twanging riff, and then it goes into Brian singing, and he, to me, it sounds like he's straining his vocals, and he's trying to polish his turd. Song seems generic, and it's probably since it's between, it's buried in between two songs that many people may consider iconic or at least excellent. Um, in comparison, this one sounds like filler. I guess they all can't be zingers. It's a meh for me. It's a four. Chris, what do you think about She's Only Happy When She's Dancing? Yeah, I feel like this one's got some interesting placement on this album because there is an absolute murderer's row behind <laughs> this, be this song. Oh, I mean, yeah. it really is just hit after hit after hit after hit. You are uh, correct, I think, sir. I think he, maybe he thought this song was a little better than it is because you put you normally put a, a pretty solid tune in the two spot on an album, and, and I don't feel like – I think it was – I agree with you a little bit, man. This one does fall a little flat as far as that goes. I think it's good. Uh, it's, it's, it's generic though. I agree with you, man. And, and like on an album full of absolute bangers, Home this runs, one should yeah. have been down like around eight or nine, not up number two. I give it a five. I think it's good. I didn't give it. I mean, I, I it's probably my flush too. If I was going to flush one. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. Anthony. Ah, that one or one more. Yeah. There's two. I, I got another one. that's a little low too, but this one yeah. is, it's by far the lowest. All right, Anthony, talk to us. She's I was a little surprised. I thought Chris would come in a little heavier on this one, but, uh, <laughs> I'm he's told to be, me for a little bit. fair, man. I'm, I'm trying to dial down to st- there. Nine and a half to start, five. I'm like, what the? I, 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 yeah. you well, me let's me. just. I, I thought he was One I love fair is well. a tremendous tune. This one's not. I mean, that's a difference. I know. Oh, you know, I think it's peppy and upbeat. It gets the feet tapping, the legs moving. You know, not as strong a song as the first one, but it's still really good. Singable chorus, great vocals, tight guitar solo. I think it's a great. I give it a seven. So, but yeah. I agree with you guys. I think the pro- the placement on this one is probably, you know, a little bit. It's not a good spot for it. It probably should come a little later in the album. The next song should have been the second track. Period. They could have run right into it. Boom, boom, and it would have made the flow so much better. But hey, what are you, what are you guys revving your motorcycle over there, man? So nah, like, some oh, big truck just went up the road. I mean, we're in a subdivision. This truck was going at least forty down this street right now. Yeah, lock your kids up. Oh my god. Tell you what, North Carolina for you, man. Yeah, no kidding. Yes, it All is. Right. <laughs> well, let's move this into track number three. It's called Run to You.
run to you. You know, I, I think I'm going to go ahead and do this because this is probably where I'm going to get the most hate from you two. Maybe today. I, I, maybe the next song. We'll see. Um, let's Looks see what like happens. Looks like it's going to be a two-on-one, a menage a trois of pain. Oh, Usually you pay double for that kind of action, Cotton. All right, so... Run to you. I, I do remember this song, and it was the first single released from this record. It does have an easy to sing along vibe. It's far better than the previous song. Like I just said, this one should have been the second track. This song, Run to You, should have been the second track on this album. Um, but still, I, I, I had this doubt in how good this song actually is or how great this song is. The guitar riffs are easy, they do sound good. I mean, remembering the song from a childhood does add a little bonus to this. It does not pass the crank test this day and time. So that's the deduction of the point I just gave it. I do find it between uh, great and excellent. I'm at a seven and a half on this one. Chris, what do you think about Run to You? Yeah, you know, that, uh, that opening riff almost reminds me of that uh, I Wear My Sunglasses at Night song. Oh, uh, wow. when, you, when you listen, yeah, I was just, I don't know. I, when I heard that initially, I was like, damn, that, that sounds a lot like that. I'm not sure which one came first. Wow. I'm not insinuating anybody stole anything. I mean, there's. It's a very '80s sounding song, as far as that goes. Uh, you know, I get I get like shades of uh, Don Henley from this. I mean, it almost sounds yeah, like you know, his solo stuff. Like I could hear this on an episode of Miami Vice, uh, kind of like smoldering night. You know, crocking <laughs> tubs rolling down the street in their Lambo, Ferrari. <laughs> I, just, I get Ferrari. Ferrari, whatever. What's the, what's the difference, man? Actually, I'm sure, a little, I'm sure to some little, people there's a huge difference. A little Miami there. Vice fact on that one: that first Ferrari wasn't an actual Ferrari. It was the yeah. uh, the frame on top of it was built on some kind of car frame or something. No kidding. Fiori. Really? <laughs> eventually, <Yeah>. Ferrari. <laughs> eventually, Ferrari gave him the real car. That's why they blew up the black one in like season really? three or four. Are you and They serious? gave him an actual Ferrari for the show. Yeah. Well, well the show was a monster back in those days. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. All right, yeah. continue. <laughs> so, yeah, this this tune is, is extremely polished. It's very in the pocket. Uh, I think it's a great song, man. I, I actually, I went, I went with an eight on this one. I think it's excellent. okay. Well, that's not too far out from where I'm at. Okay, I don't feel. I was expecting yeah. a little higher from you. I did too. I was expecting high on this one too. I thought we'd be more. Right. Why? <laughs> are you? Where, where are you, Anthony? Are you right. disappointed well, with my score, Anthony? Not disappointed at all. No, I just I. You? The way you talked about this album, I was just expecting a lot more. Well, eight is, is excellent. I mean, I'm not saying it's not, but <laughs> the way you you know uh, went reckless all well, over. I tried this to thing keep it in week. check. I tried to keep it in check. Why y'all keeping things in check for? If you like it, give it a well, high I want to be. I want to try to give it a fair, honest review and not like just gush over it. Oh, you know? I mean, oh yeah, that's that's fair. Okay, yeah. all right, Anthony. In that, go ahead and a fair, honest review. <laughs> <clears throat> I go with my gut. If I love it, I'll give it a review. I don't worry about the rest of that crap. I'm pretty sure X is um, a good score. It is. It is. I was okay. just a little surprised. Okay, I'm going to bump it to eight and a half to make Anthony happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll dump mine down right. to seven to even that off. One second. Oh, Lord. Anthony stuff. is still sick. We got to remind people. I forgot. You know what? Yeah, I forgot. This stuff still, still lingered still in down, me a little bit. I don't know why. I don't, I'm having trouble with it. But anyways. Pull that out before you get finished. <laughs> Songfacts.com on this one. Adams wrote this in 1983 with his songwriting partner, Jim Valance. They wrote the song for Blue Oyster Cult, whose producer, Bruce Fairburn, asked them to write something for the group. Adams and Valance messed around with the guitar intro to Don't Fear the Reaper, which I can kind of hear when you hear that. Ah, that is interesting. interesting. And as Valance explains on his website, we transposed the riff down to E minor, 
later adding a capo to achieve an F minor tuning. No, nothing about that. Capo, Which better? Yeah, just what's that, Jimmy? A capo just moves the nut down closer to the bottom of the guitar. It's, I, I got it. you. It's a pretty good idea. Which better suited Brian's vocal range. Once the riff was solidified, the rest of the song started to unfold. We spent a few days getting the lyrics and arrangement right, with particular attention paid to the interplay between the bass, drums, and the guitar riff. And he goes on to say, Blue Oyster Cult turned down the song, as did 38 Specials. 38 Special had a crack at this, too. Wow. Um, Adams didn't think it was right for him either, but when producer Bob Clearmount asked Adams if he had another song they could use on Reckless, Brian played in the demo, and they turned the song into a hit. It was the first single from the album. So it almost didn't make the album. It almost didn't make it to Brian Adams' catalog. So it's kind of crazy to think about. That is crazy to think about, because this is is one of the better songs on this record. Wow. Yeah. Uh, And my thoughts on Run To You, I love the intro, the way the song ebbs and flows, the guitar work, Brian's vocals. This is a killer tune from start to finish, and it's the start of one hell of a stretch run of songs on any record we've ever recorded. I mean, what's coming up next is bananas, how many songs in a row he's got on this that are hits. Um, yeah. I can't champion this one enough. It's a it's a nine for me. It's outstanding. So he's throwing a little fuel on the fire. Here we go. Oh my god! Give me fuel. Nine? Give me five. Give me that. There you go. No, I get it, guys. <laughs> great song. Great song. Um, we are. You're right. It's getting ready to go. Probably stupid on y'all's numbers here in a second. So let's see what happens. <laughs> let's go to track number four. It's called Heaven. Chris. Lighters out. Cut that one to about 20 seconds. I wouldn't have cared. All yeah, right. You can let Here the whole we go. thing play. Heaven. This is the third Such single from the album. <laughs> it was a massive hit, but we all know how old Jim feels about ballads. So here we go. I don't see I can hate on all this right. song. Man. So I was uh, thinking about my younger years, and there was, uh, you know, when I was young, was it, only it was you only and you and me. We <laughs> young and wild and free. <laughs> I really didn't want to go back for more. All right, this is definitely high school dance material. Uh, at least it takes me back to our high school days, guys. Um, bring out your lighters, Anthony, like you just said. Uh, <laughs> this is actually four minutes I'll never get back. Um, still, the song is excellent for what it is. In all seriousness, it is really nostalgic for me to hear this song, but it's just simply not my cup of tea. 
Crystal actually thinks this is the worst song on the record. Wow. Little fact, and my wife is a huge Brian Adams fan. Um, she just doesn't like it. I don't know why. Didn't ask, didn't care. I was just agreeing with her. Uh, <laughs> but I do begrudgingly give this song an eight because it is an excellent tune. Chris, heaven. You went with an eight. Well, I'm actually impressed because I kind of thought you might go lower than that. It's yeah, an excellent guys, song, guys. It is an excellent song. I mean, this is everything a power ballad of the 80s is supposed to be. It really is. I mean, it's got... And I wanted to grab that little guitar solo because it's simple, but it's it hits the oh, fifth yeah. song very well. I don't know, Jimmy. How do you feel about Brian guitar or Brian Adams' guitar playing? Do you feel like he's a good guitarist? As far as I, I, I absolutely think he's a good guitarist. I mean, he's not a shredder, but he has a good no. feel, well, good it's not vibe, shredding type um, music. Yeah. yeah, this guy's <laughs> absolutely got talent. I mean, for sure. Yeah. He, I I was, he writes hits for folks. So I mean, good lord. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like he does a great job on this song. Again, you kind of took my notes. This is high school dance material all over it right here. This is full of nostalgia. Uh, yeah. I put a little dig at uh, Aldine in here. I was like, even J- Jason Aldine couldn't ruin this song with his countryfied bastardization of it. Jason um, Aldine, don't get me started. <laughs> he, on tried. Jason he tried. <laughs> he, he tried really hard to, to screw this song up. But, I mean, it's a 10. It, it's perfection. It's 80s ballad power ballad percent i mean there's no way around it jimmy i, I know you you hate it but it's what it is hey, it's not that i i don't hate the song i just in my just not in my ears man i think it's an excellent song for what it is that's it anthony continue on with the tens i'm sure go ahead heaven <laughs> um it is heaven by the way um wikipedia adams had played over 100 dates with journey during 1983 serving as the opening act on their frontiers tour during that oh, time, he and Jim Valance co-wrote Heaven. What's that, Chris? That'd be a great show, those two. I'm mean, making them touring the together. Yeah. Mid-80s, In 83, too. it would have been an awesome yeah. tour. Man. Sorry, I didn't mean to get you up again. That's okay. <laughs> it said, during that time, he and Jim Valance co-wrote Heaven, which was inspired by Journey's hit Faithfully, which I can hear that in it. It was recorded at the Power Station in New York City on June 6th and 7th, 1983. Halfway through the recording session, drummer Mickey Curry who had warned Adams about his limited availability, announced he had to leave since he had committed his in advance to a Hall & Oates session. So the dude was popping from Brian Adams to Hall & Oates, which is kind of interesting. Uh, since the recording session for Heaven was running behind, Adams called Journey drummer Steve Smith, who happened to be in New York City at the time, and he filled Curry's drumming position. So we got a Journey drummer on this one. Uh, the song first appeared on the soundtrack, A Night in Heaven, um, although it was not released as a single at the time. And Adam was, was unconvinced that Heaven was suitable for his next studio album, Reckless, a feeling that was echoed by producer Jimmy Ivan, or Iovine. Jimmy Iovine. Yeah. Jimmy Iovine, who was working with Adams at the time. Iovine thought the song was too light for the album and recommended that Adams not include it. But at the last moment, Adams changed his mind. So yet again, another song... <laughs> That was an almost not on an album, and it's this song. I mean, it's crazy how just things turn like that. So, thought that was kind of interesting to learn. Journey's yeah. actually part of this song, so I can totally hear that too. This right. feels like a journey song. I, I, I will tell song. you this. All right, so right now, better song, Heaven or Faithfully, Chris? Faithfully, Faithfully, Anthony. All right, so but you Faithfully guys would also get a ten. Those just be. That, I, mean, I was going to say the same thing. See, I see Faithfully being a ten. I don't see this one being a ten. But see, in my, mind, my it's like, uh, in my mind, it's like in my mind, it's like Muhammad yeah. Ali and Mike Tyson going together in a fight. Yeah. I mean, it's that, that kind of 
star the power. The Ends, agreed. Yeah. You know, so ah, yeah. Um, it's There'd a, be a lot of tunes on some Journey albums there. <laughs> oh, tell you what, faithfully and what's the other one? Yeah, Frontiers kicks kicks some honey. Yeah, we did a Journey album at one point in time, didn't we? Mm-hmm. I don't know which we one did a while was, back. Yeah, I think it was back. Front. Was it Frontier? It had. It's the one that had open arms and faith. No, we didn't do Frontiers. It wasn't Frontiers. Yeah. I forget which one it was, but anyways, uh, Heaven is a, an amazing ballad from start to finish. I love the piano throughout, the guitar work, Adam's vocals, the way it ebbs and flows. The way it builds up to that guitar solo, go on and on about it, but zero issues, zero complaints. It's heaven. It's a 10. It's perfection. So Yeah. Very, I, yeah. I, like I said, I kind of figured it was going to be a 10 for you guys. I just, it's just not for me. That's all. All right. So the album we did was Escape, guys, which is an awesome Escape journey history. record. So if uh, anybody wants to listen, go back and listen to it when you're done here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. That's right. <laughs> All right, so back on track, we're going to go to track number five, Somebody. Chris? Somebody. It was the second single, and this one starts off riffing. You can hear a rolling bass line throughout this song, and holy moly, when the transition happens, Brian cranks the distortion to a pop-approved level. I mean, he lets out some killer guitar feels, uh, captivates the listener. It's a fantastic song. It's excellent for what it is, and that's why it's getting an eight. Chris, somebody. Yeah, this is another one that's sandwiched between two powerhouses. Uh, but this, in, in its own right, is a very solid tune. Um, you know, it's one of these, again, that chorus is just so easy to, to absorb. It's something that, like, after one listen, you know it. I mean, <clears throat> right. you know, to me, that's a mark of a really solid songwriter. Somebody that can write something after you hear it one time, it gets stuck in your head. I mean, that, and that's kind of what this song does. I will say, out of all of the hits on this album, it's probably my least favorite. Of all the hits, I mean, wow. of all the the you know the releases, which I'm still giving it an eight. By the way, it's an excellent song, but uh, to me, yeah, it's it's a solid tune, but it is really sandwiched between two heavy hitters. Again, I don't know, maybe it's just me. This another feels like another like Don Henley type song. I could hear him singing <laughs> something like this back in his like '80s solo days. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just right. feels like one of his tunes, but uh, yeah, 
Excellent, excellent song. Give it a eight. Very good. All right, Anthony, what do you think about somebody? Uh, songfacts.com. Uh, Adams wrote this with Jim Valance, who collaborated on most of his hits. On his website, Valance explains that this is a relationship relationship song, where the second verse is about World War One. Said Valance, Adams and I are both interested in First World history. Brian's grandfather served with the British Army in WW1. As a result, lyrical references to that war occasionally appear in our songwriting. It's not always in context, and it doesn't always make sense, but there it is. So wow. I have to go back and listen to that. I haven't caught that since I read that fact, but it's interesting. interesting. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, All right. Anyways, it's another song among so many on this album that just works. It's upbeat, peppy, catchy chorus, great harmonies, solid vocals, solid bass and guitar work. I mean, what more can you ask from a song? I mean, I gave it a nine. I think it's outstanding. So, okay, digging it. Fair enough. Let's move us up to the track of my choice. It's track six, Summer of 69. Is this our first 30 of the night? Probably. <laughs> Summer of 69. This was the fourth single from the album. It's easily the most recognizable song on the record from the very start. As soon as you hear the riff, you know what it is. I'm super familiar with this riff, and this song truly has stood the test of time. This is the one track on the album that I feel is most deserving of the rating that all songs strive to achieve here at the Audible Ecstasy Podcast. (laughs) It passes the crank test to this day. I will continue to rock this one out for many, many days to come. Let there be no doubts. This is perfection. It's a 10. Chris, Summer 69. Yeah, I mean, not only is this arguably the best song on this album, uh, probably the best song Brian Adams ever did, and one of the best songs of the 80s. I mean, I'll just throw it out and say that. Uh, that chorus is so powerful. Not just the chorus, the whole, every, the lyrics from beginning to end. Just so it's just draped in nostalgia. It's just powerful lyrics. I mean, it it kind of takes you back to like you think the summers when you you care for your youth and you hear this song. You know, Jimmy, you probably think of like when you worked at the rec center in your early twenties, yeah. and Anthony, me, and you going to the moonlight on double dates and stuff. <laughs> man, I mean, it's like this is what it feels like. This is what these this song it can harken like emotion like that. You know, and that's that's not an easy thing for a song to do. I'm gonna go very rare on this. I'm giving this an eleven. Because I think this is better than just <laughs> perfection. This is like this is taking wow. it a step above that. And, and I don't, wow. <laughs> there, are, you won't hear me say that too often. But this song is just on a, a different plane. It really is. I, I mean, and 
Yeah. I mean, wow. <laughs> say what you will. <laughs> we I, I'm 30, speechless. Like, we're getting a 31, I, Anthony. <laughs> what's an 11? Is that stratosphere, maybe? <laughs> There's nothing. There's, it's just it's my special rating what's for a, this what? song. It's, Would that be like your favorite song of all time? I mean, that's... I know. I wouldn't quite go there, but it, but it wow. is... One of the absolute best songs of the 80s. I'd say it's in the top five of like... It is fantastic. Just straight up nostalgia, fantastic songs that you always put a smile on your face, you crank it every time you listen to it. It's one of those songs like Pour Some Sugar on Me that's so... No, God, it's better than that. No, I'm saying is it... Let me finish, please, (laughs) before you start all your nonsense. Um, (laughs) I'm saying it's like Pour Some Sugar on Me and some of those songs from the 80s that are so ingrained in the 80s that... You know, those are the songs that are just are going to stand the test of time. You're always going to hear these kinds of songs. There's these pantheons of songs, and Summer '69's up there with "Pour Some Sugar on Me" and a few of those other ones that came out of the '80s that are just so big that you'll they'll always be around somewhere, no matter as long as there's music. And this is one of them for sure. That's all I was yeah. trying to say. I wasn't comparing I, the two, but I, I will say this is. I mean, it's. I can't think of too many more. I would say. I, it might be my favorite song of the 80s i mean it's it's a great song just lyrically the whole way i mean it really is man and it is absolutely draped in nostalgia you can't get more nostalgic than this song is you just can't you know yeah all right all right anthony I guess, what did you think about Summer of 69? <laughs> I'm not sure I can follow that up. Um, I did have one last note. I, was like, I hope to God Jason Aldean lives, leaves this one alone because I could hear him bastardizing this one too. But. I guess 11 should be Nirvana maybe. Is that a good term for the for 11? I don't know. But I just think of the band when I hear that. That's, that's, all yeah, that's true. Ugh. Maybe Utopia is a good word for it. That's know. a damn song. That's an album by them too. Oh my God. Voila. What? Nirvana? I think they have an album called Utopia probably. I can't remember. Anyways. Song facts. But dirty <laughs> <laughs> they didn't sound like it. In the summer of 69, Adams was nine years old. He explained in a Song Facts interview, it's a very simple song about looking back on the summertime and making love. For me, the 69 was a metaphor for making love, not about the year. I had someone in Spain ask me once why I wrote the first line, I have my first real sex dream. I had to laugh. <laughs> I didn't realize this. I didn't read the lyrics to some of these songs, man. I didn't realize that's what it said. I have my first. It doesn't real say that. Sex they miss, dream. It's, It was six string, is what he says, like a guitar. Yeah, and he bought I guess it at maybe, five and dime. That person I, just. I guess so. I guess <laughs> that so. person just misheard the lyrics. I Somebody guess in Spain, where they don't know English, that's what he thought they said. So, oh man, Anyways. I like that lyric better. Just so you know, <laughs> it flows with the '69, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, according to Valance, co-writer of the song, many of the lyrics were inspired by other songs. Okay, it's, this gets interesting now. But um, anyways, um, it's already getting interesting. Let's go. <laughs> uh, I got my first real six string from Foreigner's Jukebox Hero, and the line I bought a beat up six string in a secondhand store. Yeah. Standing on your mama's porch, you told me that you'd wait forever. Bruce Springsteen's Thunder Road, and the line the yeah. screen door slams, Mary's dress waves. Like a vision, she dances across the porch as the radio plays. Another album we covered, Bruce Springsteen. Check that out, too. Another shameless plug. Um, when you held my hand, I knew that it was now or never. The Beatles, I want to hold your hand. So there's are some inf- references to other songs that he used in this one. Hmm. And in 2009 survey for Brazilian rum, Sagatiba, this was found to be the UK's favorite summer song of all time. Narrowly beating Mungo Jerry's in the summertime. So, 
That was kind of interesting, too. You know that song, don't you? In the Summertime by Mungo Jerry? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyways, yeah, for me personally, from the opening riff to the last chord, this song is iconic and one of the great songs to come out of the 80s. Everything works. There are no issues with this one. It's flawless. It's timeless. It's perfection. It's a 10. So, you know, surprise, surprise. I'm sure nobody had bated breath on that one. Yeah, we all knew where that was going. So. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. I, I, I knew it was going to be, and this is honestly, as Chris said, it's probably one of my favorite songs in the 80s as well. And, you know, I don't lean back to the pop rock at all for the most part, but this song absolutely is stellar. Stands the test of time 100%. All right, guys, let's move it to track number seven. It's called Kids Want to Rock. Although I do like the bluesy guitar intro, this one is in a precarious position. Following what I believe to be Brian Adams' best song is certainly no easy task. This one rocks and actually does pass the crank test. It's a rocker start to finish. I think it's great. I'm going with a seven. Chris, kids want to rock. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it doesn't show, okay, obviously Wikipedia grain of salt, it doesn't show this was an actual single by him. But man, I knew this song like immediately. So I think I it's been in movies or something, man. I, yeah, I've it, heard it, this song throughout time too, and I I, I saw the same thing, man. I, I just listening to it, I was like, yeah, well, that's the Hell, string I almost knew the lyrics, and I didn't even listen going. to this album. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was weird, uh, but yeah, I agree with you, Jimmy. This this is probably the most rocking song on the album, as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd call it my sleeper of the night too, uh, even though I knew it. Uh, there aren't too many I didn't know on this album, so I'm just gonna I got to pick one from a sleeper, and I feel like this one was kind of underrated, a little under the radar compared to the other songs on this album. That that guitar intro, man, it's like I know that from somewhere. I don't know if they used that on a TV show or what exactly, but I, like I knew Stevie that Ray intro. Vaughan lift, uh, you know what I mean? Very bluesy. I like the bluesy. Yeah, it, like I said, man, it's it's a solid tune. I, I called it my sleeper. I'm gonna give it an eight. I think it's an excellent song. All right, Anthony, what do you think about Kids Want to Rock? Yeah, it's uh, upbeat, heavy, and loud. It puts out the volume, and you can't help but crank it up. You know, Adams is tearing it up on this one, making it work. Guitar sounds fantastic. Band sounds fantastic. Adams sounds fantastic. Kind of song you just turn up and get lost in. It's a solid tune. I gave it a 9. I think it's outstanding. 
So wow. All right. Yeah. Were you surprised this wasn't a single, Anthony? Because I mean, I, I thought I it was it. a single. I know this song. Well, I knew this song. I know it too. Mm-hmm. Maybe Wikipedia's just wrong. That's entirely possible. It is Wikipedia. True. Yeah, Very true. All right. Well, let's go to track number eight. It's called "It's Only Love." mark this spot right now it's only love this one is the sixth single and features the longest legs of rock royalty miss tina tuner <laughs> this song packs a punch and we all know tina could take what it's wrong jimmy and the song is fantastic that's wrong yeah, look, you've, been sitting, you've been sitting online for <laughs> two <laughs> weeks haven't you <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that's terrible. All right, that's why I said mark this spot. Nonetheless, man, my mom was a huge Tina Turner, just a huge Tina Turner fan back in the day, and um, and I I had been groomed to like songs like this or like her or her styles throughout my young life, and the song actually does cause me a little post traumatic stress syndrome here because uh, um because of Tina Turner. But nonetheless, man, this song rocks. It absolutely rocks. I, I know it doesn't qualify as iconic, but it does have an iconic artist, and it's an incredible songwriting duo for this record, or at least performing for this record. Um, it doesn't pass my crank test, but it's still an excellent song, and I'm going with an eight. Chris, what do you think about it? It's Only Love? Yeah, it's interesting. Brian uh, Adams, I guess he, he had the album Cuts Like a Knife was before this, and it had three pretty big hits on it, but honestly, I mean... I didn't quite think he was a stature to pull a, somebody like Tina Turner in to do a duet with him. You know, I mean, that, that's and she was at the peak of her career in oh, the eighties at man. this point, man. Well, yeah, I mean, she was a huge deal days. at this point, and, oh, yeah. and I'm not quite sure how he pulled that off. It sounds like he was pretty connected in the the music industry, so maybe he called in a favor or something. I don't know, uh, dude. He's a famous songwriter. Think about it. he's writing music and trying to get everybody to take yeah. it. So and maybe that's a good point. Maybe he'd written a lot of music over the past. Uh, I, that I don't know about him, but uh, I do know he had one album before this, which was fairly successful. But uh, to get her on this, that's a pretty big deal. 
Um, and, and you know, I'll tell you, I think their vocal styles mesh really well on this song. I think they sound great together singing. Uh, I love the way that song ended. That's kind of the way, why I pulled the clip where, where it did. I yeah. just love the way they just end that song. Um, chorus is excellent. I actually do think it passes a crank test. It's a rocking song, man. Uh, it depends on where you are, I guess. Maybe not by like a <laughs> biker bar or something, but <laughs> it's out in general public. It's fine. Uh, I think it's bar. a gym, man. I think it's, uh, I, I'll tell you what, I was, I was on the fence with this one. I wasn't sure if this was a 10 or a nine and a half. I was like, you know oh, what? Wow. I'm, I'm a really, I wasn't sure, but I'm just going to go ahead and give it, give it a 10 because I honestly think pulling Tina Turner to do this song is a big hit off this album. If I'm not mistaken, uh, no, I'm, I am mistaken. Never mind. I was going to say, no, Summer 69 was the most streamed song, but uh, it's right up there. It, it was a big hit for them. So I, I'm going to awesome, go ahead and give man. it a 10. I think, it's, I think it is perfection for this genre. So Wow. Okay. And Anthony? that's a little fanboy coming through. I, I recognize that. <laughs> that's okay. You, you're allowed it, man. Your pick. All right. Anthony, it's only love. Uh, Sungfacts.com. When Sungfacts asked Adams to name his most memorable collaboration, he replied, Working with Tina Turner was amazing. I used to go to see her in the clubs when I was in my late teens, early 20s, before she hit the big time. It was incredible to watch her. Amazingly, when we toured together years later, I never saw Tina walk through a performance. She always put on a great show and was gracious and grateful to her audience. It was such a privilege to have sung with her, especially since I was only 24 at the time. So if they toured together, maybe that's the reason why he was able to get her they got to know each other a little bit, so. Right. Um, anyways, man, yeah, I, I love that intro. And after that intro, we were treated to another song in an incredible run of songs on any single album. You know, everything works, vocals, guitars, drums. Tina Turner sounds fantastic. Uh, their duet is fantastic. I mean, zero issues. Uh, I think it's a nine outstanding song for me, so. Like I said, this is just a stretch runs of nines and tens. I sat here listening to this going, is this a nine or is this a ten? It's a nine, it's a ten. And I was like, no debate. Anything below either one of those from this stretch run of songs. Yeah, it's probably not a ten. I probably went a little high on that because I know like summer sixty nine, that's that's just straight up iconic perfection. I, I don't know if this one is, but I just think the fact he pulled somebody like Tina Turner to do a duet with him at this stage in his career was yeah. Kind of yeah. put it over the top for me. It's yeah. it's that's certainly a uh, an accomplishment itself. So yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Let's go to track number nine. It's called Long Gone. Chris? Oh, later. 
All right, guys, long gone. This one, it starts out with a great guitar riff, and it's got this nice bluesy bass line. Um, that riff is absolutely reminding me of a 38 special song. And it's rocking into the night. That's in my yeah, notes, by the way. It's absolutely <laughs> a killer riff. I don't. When you said that he had wrote or tried to write a song for 38 Special, I immediately thought about this one. I thought that riff is so, so much like it. It's not even funny. Um, however, it follows a great song and unfortunately doesn't bring the power it needs to stand out on this record. This was the choices between my flushes. I think this is probably the second weakest song on the record um just doesn't grab me and speak greatness not because it's a, a copycat of 38 special however it's still good but just barely i'm at a five chris what'd you think about long gone i can't believe you picked that yeah i was like this sounds just like rocking in the night by 38 special that's my first at least the 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 opening yeah that's definitely from that yeah it is it's a pure riff you know, it's it. I think it's a, a pretty good song for what it is, and it's probably a B side as far as that goes. But, yeah. but I think I still think it's it's a good song. Uh, there's a little harmonic in there, which Jimmy didn't mention, but that always is a plus, right? As far as that goes, it always is. Uh, points, points. Yeah, I think it. it's a listen. It's not a great song, but it's I, I put it between very good and actually I gave it a six and a half. I put it between very good and great. I think it's it's if it weren't where it was, following everything it it followed. Uh, that would that hurts just I mean you know you're listening to all these hits one after one after one and then this comes on it's like it's pretty good I mean it's it's just not like it's probably six I'm gonna round that down to a six I think that's probably more fair but I'm gonna go with very good on this one you know it's also I mean it's a curse when you have so much greatness that if yeah. something may be good for another artist and it just doesn't stand out on the record that says a lot for what the rest of these songs do sound like so yeah Anthony what do you think about Long Gone? Yeah, it's a solid tune. It's catchy. It's a beat. Uh, not nearly as strong as the six songs that came before it. Tough acts to follow, but it's a decent tune. I do like the harmonica and bluesy sound of it. It works for what it is. Uh, I think six. It's a very good song. It's probably okay. my weakest on the album, but probably should have put this song like in the middle of those. Kind of bury it between greatness. Yeah. You know, and then have, because I think it closes pretty strong with the last song, but uh, I think you could have mixed things around a little bit. So right, but. right, okay, fair enough. So you guys are still thinking very good. All right, let's let's close this record out. Final track, track ten. It's called "Ain't Gonna Cry." Chris. closing out here the one thing i do notice on this song is it seems like brian adams is straining to sing it 
He's trying to rock out on this last track. The song is a rocker. It's a pretty good closer, but it's not great. It's definitely better than Long Gone, but that ain't saying much. With so many hits on this record, some songs sound like they just don't belong here. I think this is one of them. I probably would have closed the album with Kids Wanna Rock because I think that song would have left you, in my feel, yearning for that next record because it. I think it rocks so much. And like you said, it's basically Sleeper since it wasn't a single. Um, God, guys, the guitar playing stands out, and that's the only reason why I'm giving this one a five and a half. It's between good and very good. Chris, what would you think about Ain't Gonna Cry? That's a good score, Jimmy. That's actually what I gave it to, five and a half. Uh, between good and very good. It's definitely a rocker uh, as far as, you know, I, I, when I listen to this, it almost sounds like they all got together for like a post-album celebration and so let's just jam one more time and just kind of like, they just start throwing right. stuff at the wall. And it, it kind of works. I mean, it really does. It's not a bad song at all. Uh, yeah, I will say, you've bad. talked about album placement a lot, and I think they missed a golden opportunity. They should have put Kids Wanna Rock at the end of this album because that would be a great closer and would like just transition to the next album so well. This one's pretty good. I mean, it's it's, it's pretty good. I I do think it's one of the weaker album songs on the album. Uh, if I would have, this might have been my flush. Either that or she's only having when she's dancing. I, I think, actually, I think Long Gone's a little better than those two songs, but ah, okay. it's my personal preference. That said, it does rock. I, I do think the guitar is really good in this. I kind of agree with you a little bit on him straining when he sings on this, but that's just kind of his vocal style sometimes. It is. Uh, it's a little messy. That's kind of what I what I thought when I walked away from it. But overall, five and a half. I think it's between good and very good. So, all right, Anthony, ain't gonna cry. Uh, you know, I think it's a rocking way to close out the record. Uh, I think it's a pretty good place for this song. I don't have any issues with it. Uh, guitar work is strong. I like the peppy upbeat nature of it. I think Brian sounds great on vocals. Personally, uh, harmonies are great too. Band sounds fantastic. I like the bits of bass sprinkled about too. Mm-hmm. Solid guitar solo. I gave it a seven. I think it's a great tune. So, hey, fair enough. But I'm like you guys. You know, they probably could have. There's three songs on here that are not obviously, you know, they don't have the same caliber as the other songs, and they could have yeah. sprinkled those in between those and maybe closed with a a nine or something at the very end. You know, imagine closing this with one of the. Like Summer of 60. Now, just something crazy like that. One of those gigantic songs. Because they've done it before, some bands. And, you know, imagine leading you out on something like that. But still, right. I think it's yeah, a great I, I really think Kids Winter Rock would have been a great closer. It just <laughs> feels like something closer. that, like, it's almost like a rock anthem kind of thing. You know what I mean? But, yeah. Eh. Definitely. Definitely. All right, guys. My final thoughts on this record. As, um, as I declared a couple weeks ago when this pick was finalized, I've never really been a fan of Brian Adams. Although this album was super popular in the time, and this is back when my musical discovery was at its peak. I mean, this is when I was getting into bands like Iron Maiden, Black Sabbath, Dio, heavier rock and metal releases from the early 80s. And sometimes these reviews will make me reconsider how good an album is or how great an album is. And this one is certainly better than I thought. Uh, But Brian Adams' style of poppiness was really never my cup of tea, even in the height of his popularity. He was on MTV, popular rock radio, and uh, I never really had a desire to go down that route. To me, this style of music was for what the girls liked. And, you know, (laughs) now we are 40 years later after the original release. I'm listening to it and I'm reviewing it. The album is solid. I have... I have heard nearly all these songs at some point throughout the years, and that says a lot for the longevity of this record. I'll admit the past couple of weeks, this was actually the first time I've listened to this record in its entirety, guys. I never listened to this whole thing through as a kid. 
And I just never had the desire. Like I said, it wasn't my go-to style of music. Um, uh, and I, I realize um, that being said, this is an honest review of and, and demonstrate a demonstration of how each song does hit me. And I do realize a ton of popular songs and hit singles, but to my ear, that just never justifies high scores to satisfy the crowd. And that's why my scores represent an honest list and an opinion. That's obviously not it's not popular with you guys, but I, and I get it. Um, it's a great listen. Will I ever listen to this album again? Not on purpose, for sure. <laughs> not on purpose. There are many. They other tie me from, down and strap a headphones to my head. Well, beat me senseless. And I don't, and I don't mean that. I, I don't mean that. When I say that, I say if it comes on a, pl- a playlist, I may let it play and I may skip it. I don't know. It's just something I'm not going to go back to and say, "Oh man, this all I'm, I'm gonna rock this thing out." Because that's just not me. I mean, there are other bands from Canada I'd, I'd rather choose to listen to besides Brian Rush. Adams, Rush being one, Voivod, Annihilator. But this is all going to the harder rock style of my of my ears. You know, um, these songs will likely pop up my playlist every now and then, depending on my mood. I may listen or I may skip. Um, Album's not for me, but overall it did come and be a seven. Rates out as a great album. And guys, that's what this is. This is absolutely a great album. I know y'all's numbers are going to be higher, but for me to say this is a great album with our scoring system, that's got to say something because I I thought I was fair. I thought I was giving you guys, I mean, I'll jokingly aside, I mean, I joked around a lot. Don't get me wrong. Um, thanks, Tina. Anyway, um, I think it's a great listen. Great pick, Chris. It's a great pick. It made me go back and realize, you know, this is something I missed. Great music that I missed. Just wasn't my cup of tea. What's your final thoughts, Chris? So yours was a seven overall. Well, I gotta say that's higher than I expected, Jimmy, from the kind of the the dread I, I anticipated from you going into this. So that's good. I'll take that. Uh, yeah, you know, to me, this album really kind of felt like a greatest hits album, and. Uh, you know, we don't typically do, we, we don't do greatest hits reviews. I mean, I feel like that's kind of cheating when you, I mean, when you do that, you should just pick a studio album from beginning to end and listen to it. This one was so good. It really did feel like a greatest hits album. There were only like three songs, really two songs, eh, three songs that weren't greatest hits. Um, I said it last week, I'll reiterate it. This to me is the musical equivalent of ice cream. Everybody <laughs> likes it. You may not want to admit it. It might be a guilty pleasure, but everybody likes it. And you know, is this pop rock? Yeah, maybe sometimes. Is there anything wrong with that? No, there's not. I mean, it's just what it is. And it's, it's hugely successful and popular. And that doesn't mean we should listen to it, but it's like, to me, it's just, like I say, guilty pleasure kind of music. I've always liked it. Brian Adams is a master at draping nostalgia into songs. Just gives you like that warm, fuzzy feeling inside when you listen to it. You know what I mean? As far as like, is that, I've always loved his, his vocals, I've had, I don't know if I own this album. I definitely own some greatest hits by the guy. And uh, like I said, this is a lot of the greatest hits, but there were some other, two or three other albums just full of hits as well. I mean, the guy's a, a tremendous songwriter. I guess that's kind of what his strength is. Uh, Summer 69. I mean, there is not a better song out there as far as from the 80s. It's just a tremendous tune. I've always loved it. Uh, overall, I think, I think it's one of the best albums we've reviewed this year. Uh, I gave it an 8.3. I'm going to bump it to an 8.5 because I think it's between excellent and outstanding. Fantastic. Anthony, what are your final thoughts? Uh, you know, uh, mine's 8.4, so I'm I'm right with Chris. It's between excellent and outstanding. So wow. I'm more than fine with that because it's an excellent album, man. It's a great pick. Can't recommend it enough to anyone who listens to us or just wants to hear some good rock music. I mean, it's a solid, solid tune. You just turn it on. 
get lost in it. Great, great for that. And much better than Nickelback. I, I gave Nickelback <laughs> a shot. I actually listened. I actually listened to Nickelback because I wanted an honest feel if I was actually. And it's Alice in Chains all over for me again, where I love the music in the background. Like I was jamming an Alice in Chains song yesterday. Then he started singing. I skipped it. I just cannot stand the vocals of Chad. I can't stand the vocals of Alice in Chains. It just drives me bananas for some reason. But musically, yeah, it's great. But this album was a much better pick. I enjoyed it a lot more. I think you guys would enjoy this one a lot more too. Trust me. I, I agree. This is better than Nickelback. I know. <laughs> so, no but I think you guys would have struggled with Nickelback too at times. It was one of those kind of albums. But yeah, eight point four, man. And I'm okay. I can put it eight point five. I might even go to a nine. I mean, it's it's probably my number two album for the year so far. So wow, wow, you know, it's up there. So it's well, at least fantastic. in the top five. All right. Well, guys, let's move us to uh, our pick for next week. Anthony, you got a pick for us? Oh, hold on. Let me play the music. Ah, yes. And in this corner, weighing in at approximately 180 pounds, the Ace of Apex, the Italian Stallion, the Ballad Boy. (laughs) It's Anthony with his pick of the week. Are you guys ready for it? I think you guys know what's coming, right? <laughs> uh, I think I do, yes. Let's hear it. Uh, anyways, you know, there's a lot of bands that came out in the late 80s to early 90s that don't really get their due. And Martin Popoff had a good term for music like this, dirty hair metal. And I really agree with that term. It's very dirty hair metal. And yeah. I want to dive into some dangerous toys next week. Um, yeah. I, it's a, it's an incredible album from start to finish. It holds up, holds up very well, but I love that term when I was listening to it. It's like, that is dirty hair. It's like hair metal, but with edge. That's a great term for it. like guns and roses, you know, uh, dangerous my, toys. A few other bands wife, that came up. My wife LA calls Ke- Keith Urban, dirty, sexy. That's her nickname for him. So. Dirty, sexy. <laughs> he's always kind of nice. dirty looking, but he's like, I don't know. It's, yeah. <laughs> always but that's what I'm saying. But anyways, yeah, man, there's some. Bangers on here, man. Sporting Woody's on there, for goodness sakes. And, yeah, so we're talking about the debut album so by Dangerous Toys. Dangerous yeah. Toys. Yeah. There's no trifecta on here. Some of those albums like Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, where they have like the title of the album, the band, and the song. There's none of those on here. It'd be nice to have a Dangerous Toys song because it can be kind of fun <laughs> to hear. But uh, It'd be great. So oh I was somewhere God. between Dangerous Toys and Twisted Sister. We have not done... The big Twisted Sister album from the 80s, which they got some iconic songs on I thought we did Stay Hungry. We haven't done Stay Hungry yet. Really? I've tried to get you to do their Christmas album a few times, but you won't do it, so. (laughs) Seems like we always give it a listen and be like, yeah, let's do something else. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. Fantastic. All right, Anthony, what do you got going on next week? Uh, I'm hanging 10 with Jimmy Buffett. I'm diving into some Jimmy Buffett surfing songs. The dude has uh, been taking it. He's been taking up some surfing as of late, and you can tell it's infusing into his music. So, uh, And one song he did with Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits. He actually wrote the song and played guitar on it. So, Awesome. Awesome. So Old yep. Mark Knopfler. Good stuff. Good stuff. All that's right. a song lines and tan lines podcast. I always forget to say that. I assume everybody knows, so that's where it Right. No. no, no, no. That's great. All right, guys. Well, I can certainly say this has been a fun couple of weeks. Um 
I'm looking forward to the Dangerous Toys. Can't wait. This is going to be a revisit. I haven't listened to the entirety of this record in a long time, but I am familiar with the with I'd say the hits or the singles or the popular tunes on there's this one for three sure. Three or four hits yeah, on there. There's at least singles. three that are that are standouts I can think of, right, at least in my ears. But uh, scared, can't wait to scared, scared Woody, tease and plea. Uh, I like tease and plea. Yeah, Woody is killer. Sporting Woody is a good one. <laughs> It's funny. Good. <laughs> well, I mean, they're very similar to Jackal in a lot of ways. You know, they got lumberjack. They are similar to Jackal. I agree with that 100%. Yeah, I know those dirty hair metal legit. bands, Jackal. So. Oh, my God. All right, guys. Bang, well, bang. Right. They sing that one, right? Yeah, that's the other track they sing. Bang, bang. <laughs> that's Danger, Danger, Chris. You I know, keep getting I'm Danger, being, Danger, Danger. I'm being things. sarcastic. I, like, oh. I think it's funny. They, they're not similar, but I don't know. The names were similar. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Danger Danger, man. They had a song, what they call Bang Bang. They they love doing the double for what some reason. That? And then it had Naughty Naughty, too. Naughty Naughty was another. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> Great but there's, stuff. Like I said, late 80s, there were a few bands that came out in the late 80s that, that had some, you know, had some pretty good cred to them, like Skid Row and these guys and a few other ones. But Oh, yeah. Know, Fabulous. Couldn't survive the 90s. <laughs> nope. That's fact. Good Lord. All right. Guys, let's wrap this up. For the Audible Ecstasy Podcast, this is Jimmy. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is it. Had a bad and we tried real.